0: Um, so you can imagine the stability that uh, that is created with each segment, right? Are you with me? Then I I wasn't satisfied and had more time on my hands, so I made sockets that would go on the bottom. And you can imagine what we talked about last week. You know what? I'm going to wait on that because we'll get to that slide in just a second. Okay, so they would go together. They would compress together and make sturdy... Uh, The corner boards, these additional corner boards had rings most likely at the top. There could have been some sort of pin that was on sticking up from them that the ring sat over. The ring could have set into the material. There's a couple of different ways that that could have happened. Now, don't forget that we know that Moses was given the directions on this, but he was given the vision of it as well. So, any ambiguity that we have in the scriptural account, Moses had no ambiguity. God was very clear when he communicated in the vision He talked God uh, at least a couple of times talks about you know as the the pattern that that I showed you, right so he talks about showing him, so uh, it was probably the first three d rendering. Uh, virtual rendering of a building that uh, that ever happened, so Moses got to see this, and while we don 't understand the intricacies of the rings, Moses got it and could easily direct the folks that were working on on that right so uh, and these rings were probably uh, probably gold based on the patterns uh, and then there were the five bars uh, on each side, one going through the length. Uh, And obviously this would have been longer, if this was a back section, then these would have actually been cut and there would have been a total of five bars, one, you know, one, two, three, four, and then five. Okay, you with me? So it creates a lot of of good stability for the tabernacle. It would be able to withstand any windstorms, those types of things. Uh, The silver sockets. So there were 40 on the south and 40 on the north, 16 on the west. We will find out a little more about the silver sockets today, that there was four pillars inside that were set in silver. So there was a total of 100 sockets and 100 um, 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 – I can't remember the term now – talents of silver. And a talent is about 75 pounds – of silver, so there was a hundred of these. So seventy-five hundred pounds of silver that was donated uh, by the children of Israel. And the, the the sockets. I this is the best I could do. Uh, but the sockets would have set along the bottom and would allow for that uh, variability from uh, the ground. Okay. So as you do that, I don't have to do them all, but. You can see it would stabilize the, you know, you can imagine the rest of them being on there. It would stabilize the tabernacle. Even that just little bit was enough to stabilize that wall. Now, there, the, the other thing about that is it allowed the uneven, so, so you have this wall that's all linked together. It can't move. So some places it's gonna be a little higher, some places the ground's gonna be a little lower. And so if you can imagine, and I did the best I could here, if you can imagine the uneven ground, you know, if there's a rock here and a rock here, those sockets could slide up and down on those tenons to um, to allow stability, you know, that way as well. So again, Much better, more accurate uh, people with skills than than I could come up with. But those silver sockets were an important part of the stability of them. So when we, we talked about the spiritual application was to be fitly joined together. And with these four references in the book of Ephesians, I can't help but believe Paul is at least to some degree reflecting back on the, uh, the tabernacle, Ephesians 2, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. I kind of don't feel like you can ignore the fact that he's reflecting back to the tabernacle and to the Old Testament temple, uh, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. So you hear us talk from time to time about being fitly joined in the body Right there are points where the rod needs to go through, and I did use. It may not look like it because you're like, I can see space between there, Mitch. That's not cut to a high degree of accuracy, and you would be right. But each one of those, uh, the the uh, each one of the, you know, the holes, each one of the the tenons, like has to be in a pretty accurate place for them to function. They have to slide together very clearly, very intricately. And, and yes, I do actually have a uh, – I bought a um, drill bit that's like this long for a project many years ago, and I was so glad I got to use it again uh, because <laughs> I was able to drill all the way through. And so there, there's like the less amount of tolerance – tolerance is the gaps, right? The smaller the tolerance, the tighter and more intricate and better functioning the body is. So the, t- the closer I can get to my brothers and sisters in Christ, all very appropriately, of course, the closer I can get where, where one where one of us ends and the other starts in ministry, that's a good thing. Like, that's a positive thing, right? There are things that I can't do that you can, and there are things that the other person can't do that neither of us can, or d- does that neither of us can, right? And be, like, you would not want me, I mean, it's good that Brian and Paul play the guitars up, up on stage. It would not sound good if I was up there. It wouldn't sound good if I was singing. It wouldn't sound good if I was playing the piano. It wouldn't sound, it might be okay if I was doing the drums, but you would be like, why is Dobson up there? Like, <laughs> like it would pro- that would be my best shot, right? Because I could at least go boom, tch, boom, tch, boom, boom, boom. Right, I could probably do that, but I'm not sure any of the other instruments. You know what I'm really good at? Playing the radio. So I cannot lead you in praise and worship like others can, okay? And so it is really important that the body is fitly framed, fitly joined together. Find your fit. That's not just a cliche, that's a biblical principle. And then be stable in the Lord. You can imagine, once you get the three walls, they're connected together, and we'll talk about some of the inner framing today. We'll finish the framing today, the inner part. Once you get all that together, it's a very stable structure. So be stable in the Lord, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that which stabilizes you is the love of Christ, okay? And then one God and Father of all who is above all, and through all and in you all. Whether that's a reference specifically to the tabernacle, I don't know, but it certainly seems to apply in Ephesians. So the undeniable pattern we talked about was the 1313111 cubes, three types of stability, the side tenons, the base, and the bars, three corner boards connected by a ring, and three types of material, wood, silver, and gold. It's an undeniable pattern of the Trinity, okay? They each have their function in our lives, okay? They each have their function in our lives. So that brings us to new content, the parallel narrative. As we talk, we'll talk design, we'll talk build. In Exodus 26, 31 through 33, and then we'll jump down 36, 37. Thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and, and fine twined linen of cunning work. With cherubims shall it be made. And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of shittim wood overlaid with gold. uh, Parenthetical thought. This is acacia wood, probably a different species, but it is the same kind of wood that the tabernacle was made out of, if anybody wants to see it later. Don't judge my accuracy in my cuts, okay? Um, uh, In uh, shittim wood overlaid with gold, their hooks shall be of gold upon four sockets of silver, Thou shalt hang up the veil under the tashes, that thou may bring in thither within the veil the Ark of the Testimony. And the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy place, or most holy. And thou shalt make an hanging for the door of the tent, this is the outside, so we're jumping down to 36, of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen wrought with needlework. Thou shalt make for a hanging five pillars of shittim wood and overlay them with gold and their hooks shall be of gold and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. Now, when we look at the build, we'll do, it'll be a little quicker. And he made a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen, uh, which cherubims made he it of cunning work. And he made thereunto four pillars of shittim wood and overlaid them with gold. Their hooks were of gold and he cast them four sockets of silver. So those are the four sockets that finished the 100 sockets in the whole tabernacle. Their hooks were of gold and he cast them four sockets of silver. And he made it hanging for the tabernacle door. So this is the front door, if you will, uh, of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine twine linen of needlework and five pillars of it with their hooks. And he overlaid their chapiters and their fillets with gold, but their five sockets were of brass. Okay, so let's do a little contrast for a second. We've got the curtain. So the curtain, I don't know if you can still see the, the image here, but the curtain is this front very front part, the part that you would see as you were out in the courtyard sacrificing the animals. That's the door, the curtain, we will refer to it. The veil is on the inside and separates the holy place from the most holy or the holy of holies. Okay? So the veil is inside, the curtain or the door is technically outside, or at least one side of it faces outside. Now, these are the word descriptions. The curtain is a door, but the veil is a divider. Okay, those are the biblical terms for that. I didn't try to uh, necessarily try to alliterate, but that's an important distinction. The veil is, I'm sorry, the curtain is to be opened and brought in. The veil, it's real serious when you approach the veil, like real serious. Like you could die if you're not doing it right on the inside, like it's real serious behind the veil. The curtain was woven, needlework, but with no image pattern, no specific pattern that's referenced, but the veil was woven to include the cherubims. Most likely the same pattern we saw on the first layer of fine linen that was woven with cherubims that was to go over the entire tabernacle, okay? The curtain out front, there were five pillars, the veil on the inside, there were four pillars, okay? The top hardware was gold, but the bottom was brass. So on the front, all the hangings that would be the top were gold, but the sockets, the only sockets that were made of anything different, 100 sockets of silver and five sockets of brass, different for a reason, okay? Uh, and then and the veil on the inside, they were all gold. You guys with me? We'll spend some more time on it, but obviously. So, okay. So let's let's talk about the curtain. Now, the curtain keeps out and lets in. I heard I heard a, I heard a, a very simple man was asked what he thought this the the best greatest invention of the whole wide world was. He said it'd have to be the thermos. Why'd you say the thermos? Because it knows how to keep things hot and cold. And I still don't know how it figures it out. Okay. So the door. Oh come on! At least a gratuitous laugh. The veil, the or the curtain, and I'll probably mess that up. The curtain both keeps things out and lets things in at the exact same time. Okay, all right. Now, if you imagine, I don't know, many of us have uh, hanging beads in our house. That's probably like a '60s, '70s kind of. Do you still you still have them? Okay, I, I awesome. I'm sure it, it fits your your uh, your decor. Where is it? What's it between what rooms? The guest room and the main room. Okay, so the guests don't have. Oh, okay. It's like the guests don't have a door. Oh, so there's a door too. Oh, okay. So that's okay. So the veil, the or I'm sorry, the curtain allows relatively easy access, right? The door wouldn't would could be probably presumably shut and locked, right? But we don't generally separate rooms with curtains anymore. We don't generally separate rooms with tapestry, right? Well, we separate these two rooms with a not very soundproof wall, but that's, that's a different story. But notice Jesus describes himself as a door, which is very interesting because he does the exact same thing. He keeps things out and he lets things in. Does the exact same thing. John 10, 7. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door. Actually, turn to turn to John 10. We've got time and I want to I want to touch, touch on this. I didn't include all of these verses on your page or on the that this is worth going to. So Jesus describes himself as the door in John 10. I'm going to read 7 through 7 through 10. Um, Then Jesus said unto them them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Then he makes a contrast. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. He keeps them out. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. Thieves generally, I, you know, this is not a, 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 a criminology class, but walking in the front door is generally not the, the way uh, a thief breaks in. Now, they may kick down the front door, right? But they don't just aren't usually invited in, right? So Jesus is separating the, the, the nature of the fact that as a door, he lets his sheep in because they know his voice right? He allows them in, whereas he doesn't allow thieves and robbers and, um, and, you know, others in. Okay. So it's a very real picture here that of the curtain. Now it's the only part with, with bronze sockets. We talked about all the, 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 uh, the, the silver sockets and these are the bron- bronze is a picture of judgment. Now we know it's a picture of judgment because that's where the sacrifices take place with the bronze laver and the bronze altar of fire out in the courtyard. You haven't got to that yet, but you gotta trust me. So bronze is a picture of judgment. It's interesting to me, when you look at the pieces of this curtain, this door, You have bronze judgment. You have linen, which is a picture of righteousness. We've seen that before. You can go back and look. It's specifically referenced as the righteousness of the saints in the book of Revelation. You have gold at the top picturing the deity. And you have five pillars, the number of death. It's through the death and the judgment of Jesus that the righteousness of the saints hangs on. Like it's, I don't believe I'm stretching this. It's pictured. Now, I am not faulting Israel for going, why couldn't we see Jesus? Like, I, you know, in the, in the doorway. But this is literally what he describes him at, himself as. And he is talking the language of the Jew when he is talking about some of these things. And his death, his, his, uh, the judgment that falls upon him is the doorway, he is the doorway, and the presentation of the righteousness of the saint. It's a beautiful picture. So this statement, I think you maybe have something to fill out, maybe, yeah. The righteousness and access of the believer into where God dwells, into where he'll meet with you, is held by the deity of Christ, and built upon the foundation of Christ's judgment in death. Like, it's, it's laid out perfectly in picture format, this curtain. So you have to get past the door to commune with God. In there, we're gonna find the table of showbread, which is a picture of the Word of God. We're gonna see the altar of incense, which is a picture of prayer. And we're gonna see the candlestick, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, okay? Okay. In order for us to have access to those things, we have to get through the door. The only way to get through the door is to acknowledge the judgment that is on the Lord for our sin and that he paid He paid the penalty for. Like it's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. <laughs> so our first building lesson today, open the door with to commune with the Lord. Like if you have not made that decision this morning, If you have not accepted the Lord's sacrifice, his provision of taking your sin in exchange for his righteousness, concept called propitiation, if you have not done that, if you've not prayed to ask forgiveness of your sins and for the Lord to save you, you need to do that. That is the access to prayer. That is the access to the word of God. And that is the access to the Holy Spirit. Without those, I'm not saying you can't pray. But you're probably not doing a very good job at it, and I don't mean quality. I'm just saying there's only a few prayers the Lord hears. The Lord hears when you're when you're lost. One is the prayer of salvation. So get through that door. Make the Lord your uh, make the you know Jesus your Christ. Okay. So the veil. The veil. Now, this is interesting, the veil itself is not all gold, but the structure, the infrastructure is all gold over the shit and wood, okay? So it's overlaid, so it's different than the bronze that we saw on the front curtain. So the veil on the inside, now the linen is most likely the same as that covering that we had. So literally, it creates a complete covering around the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Like it's now on the top and on the, uh, on the veil. On the other sides, you have the gold, okay? It's completely covered in the covering and the gold, the mercy seat is. It's beautiful. Again, there, there is something going on with picture of heaven that I can't wrap my head around. You can't wrap your head around. We don't have enough neurons in our brain to figure this out. We're just not there yet. But there is, scripture tells us it's a, it's a reflection, a pattern of the eternal. Um, so, but this is, and this is really interesting because this tabernacle is a structure of covering, okay? Notice that in Exodus 40 in verse three, it says, uh, and thou shalt put there, uh, therein the ark of the testimony and cover the ark with the veil. Thou shalt put therein the Ark of the Testimony and cover the Ark with the veil. This is the process of when setting up the tabernacle, they would set up the walls. They would put the covering up and they would put the the, uh, Ark of the Covenant in there and then they would cover it with the veil. Now they're not laying it on top of the, the, the mercy seat, but they're covering it. They're separating, it's a divider, they're separating the holy of holies, the most holy place from the rest of the tabernacle and the rest of the world, okay? It's interesting too, Numbers chapter four and verse five, when the camp setteth forward, Aaron shall come and his sons and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. Mark me educated, I did not know this. I did not realize that when it was time to strike camp and the tabernacle was coming down that the veil was taken off, and they covered the the uh, the ark so as the ark is 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 going along you didn 't get a chance to look at the mercy seat you didn 't get a chance to to see okay where was that blood that was applied what actually no it was covered I can only imagine now this is speculation but but you weren't allowed in there without a sacrifice, okay? So if you're taking this down, I can only imagine, now now, granted, 15 feet-ish high, they've got to get up and and take the, the veil off of the hooks, and then they've got to work their way through those pillars and cover it. And I bet, similar to to Indiana Jones, they weren't supposed to look at it. I don't know. I'm not saying that, little ghost spirits fly around and then they melt, but maybe, okay? My bet is there was no one to, to put eyes on that except the, priest that, the high priest that was actually bringing sacrifice. We'll talk more about that in just a second. So it's very interesting. The Ark is covered, whether in motion or whether it's stationary, it's covered. It's covered by a veil and the other things or it's covered actually. And then look, turn to Leviticus 16 for a second. Turn to Leviticus 16. It's another kind of cool passage here. 16 in verse 11. 16 in verse 11. I was touching on this a moment ago. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself himself, And he shall make an atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. We're going to learn more about that as we, as we deal with the, the furniture, if you will, the instruments in the, uh, in the courtyard, but he kills it and he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord and his hands full of sweet incense, incense, beaten small. And bring it within the veil and he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony. Why? So he doesn't die <laughs> that he die not and he shall take. So even in that, this, thus the steam, the smoke that is generated still covers the mercy seat, so that even Aaron, as he's bringing in a very special sacrifice, can't fully take it in. It's a beautiful picture. I, w- I wish I could. I wish I was a cinematographer and could capture this. And he shall uh, so so that he die not. In verse fourteen, and he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward, and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Like something supernatural is going on there, I wish I could understand it. I wish I could I wish I had eyes to fully grasp what is happening there. But what I do know is he's got to take the the blood of this bullock that he kills, that he prepares, he puts the 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 coal so it creates a smoke and you know, an incense and a smoke in there and he's he's throwing seven times. That blood directly on the mercy seat. He doesn't touch it. He's throwing it on there. I mean, it's I, I, it, it's mind-boggling to me what's happening here. But it that is picture the Lord Jesus Christ did that for us. He took his blood and sprinkled it. Okay, seven times. I don't understand it, but he sprinkled it on the judgment seat or on the mercy or yeah mercy seat for us. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. In Hebrews 6, 19, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Like it is the anchor of, the, of our soul. It is the thing we can hang our hat on. Not, not, not trying to make a play on hanging the veil. It's the thing we can take the most comfort in is that the lord jesus christ applied his pure blood as a sacrifice to the mercy seat on our behalf it's beautiful now some of you are very astute very very astute people and you realize that this veil is spelled differently than the previous veil did anybody notice did anybody be honest somebody did anybody else So this veil is V E I L this veil all the way up to this point is V A I L. Now it would be intellectually dishonest for me to say, ah, they're the same because two words that are spelled differently are different words. Okay. All right. Now I thought about trying to make an illustration and there is a component here of shop S H O P and shop S H O P P E. Same, two, two words spelled differently, but the same word because of like English and stuff. It's like Shane, you know, he speaks English and American, right? So, so it's a little like that, meaning the words are often used interchangeably, but they are different, okay? The veil, V-A-I-L, is almost exclusively Old Testament, but not 100%. So it's not just a Greek and Hebrew thing. It's almost exclusively used Old Testament, most commonly refers to a veil on a bride's face, a veil on Moses' face, something that is a temporary small thing to cover a person. Okay, then there's also the veil in the tabernacle, which while it was some, what do we say, 15 or so feet (coughs) wide by 15 or so feet tall, is still relatively small. Veil with an E is to emphasize grandness or greatness, okay? So the veil in the Old Testament is a temporary small picture. And when you see V-E-I-L, it almost always refers to either the temple, which was a much bigger, much more grandiose veil, or the veil in heaven, okay? So it is different. And what's amazing is Christ, when he dies, what happens? Anybody remember? The rocks shake and the veil is rent. And so I type V-A-I-L into my little search engine because I couldn't remember that verse off the top of my head and it didn't exist. And I was like, what in the world? Why am I not finding this? So then I, I couldn't remember if it was rent or torn. And so I'm typing and I'm like, why am I not finding this? And then I found that it's V-E-I-L. And that is actually a representation of the larger temple veil or the veil in heaven. Okay. So V-A-I-L is small. V-E-I-L is grand. Okay. So, and you get all that for no extra charge. (laughs) All right. So the high priest consecrates the sacrifice for you where you cannot go yourself. You don't have the right, if you would have walked up and slaughtered your own bull, grabbed some of that, walked in there, gathered up that, uh, that uh, incense, as coals, and just marched yourself in the middle of that holy place and sprinkled the blood on there, you would have been killed. And they would have dragged your body out the next time they... Uh, they, they moved the tabernacle or what they did with the high priest was they actually tied a rope to him so that if they got killed, they could pull him out, okay? Which is just kind of an interesting thing. Like there's some jobs that have a high mortality rate. Evidently high priest is like way up there, right? So, right, but not if you do it right. Yeah, yeah, not if you do it right. But the key here is, and, and I said you, but it includes me, we can't go into this place. We don't have the right to go into this place. We needed a surrogate. We needed a substitute. We needed someone who was righteous enough, who was following the rules and could take and apply the blood to the uh, to the mercy seat. And you can't do it yourself. I don't care how good you are. You wouldn't have even gotten very far past the veil. You would have poof. I don't know. Maybe you burn up. I don't know. Maybe you melt like plastic, like Indiana Jones. All right. The pillars, in our time we have remaining, the pillars. Now, there were five at the entry. We talked about the implications there. There were four at the veil, okay? Now, I, I'm just gonna be transparent with y'all. I ran out of time. I wanted to study a little bit deeper. I think there's something to this veil, these pillars, and the creation of the earth. I think there's something there, okay? I think there's something there. Anybody wants to study, wants to get together with me, I don't guarantee we'll figure it out. Because it might not be figure outable. Just made it up word. But there's something there. I'm, I'm seeing the pillars used in weird places referencing the creation and the world and the earth. And there's something going on there with the veil, and I'm just not I'm not sure. Maybe maybe we can't understand it. But but I think there's something there. Alright, so the chapters that Moses references in the Exodus 36 part, I don't know if you saw that. It's on your, it's on your uh, parallel narrative in verse, um, in verse 38. And the five pillars of it with their hooks. And he overlaid their chapters and their fillets with gold. But their five sockets were of brass. So again, I asked my architecture son. Son, a lot of money has gone to K-State for you to get an architecture degree. What is a chapter? He said, I don't know. (laughs) Very disappointing. But Google didn't fail me. I've never paid one dime to Google. But Google didn't let me down. (laughs) Chapters are capitals. I said, Marshall, what's a capital? Oh, that's the top of a column. Different term. They actually think the word chapter has to do with a combination of the word capital and chapter chapter. Kind of amalgamated together for some reason these are chapiters or capitals they would sit on the top of uh, and most of the time you see them with like if you were to go out in the front and i do mean the front south facing side of mbt and you looked up you would see capitals or chapiters at the top of the pillars most of the time they're stone a lot of times they're scroll looking things so the pillar comes up and then there's a scroll scrolls that are on top of the pillars okay sometimes they're in especially in rome they would just get a little bigger they would have kind of a disc shape or whatever i don't think it has to do with aliens but maybe um (laughs) so the chapters help translate in in architecture help translate if you had a beam sitting here the beam over a wider area while looking um or or really the, the the supportive force like the, the column would be narrower and you need it to get wider so it distributes the force over, over a greater area. Uh, and so then they make them look nice, okay? These are the capitals. They're supposed to also be overlaid with gold. And then these are called fillets, okay? Now it's interesting, they're rods that ran between that there would be additional hooks on to hold the, um, the veil or the curtain, either one. But they also provided stability, so that the tabernacle walls. Because remember, at this end, there's no back wall. There's no fr- there's no front wall. So they would keep the tabernacle from collapsing in on itself on that fourth dimension or that fourth um, side. Okay. But it's real interesting to me. And you're like, why is the word love there? The word for the, the word fillet in Hebrew is also translated as love. Uh, Color me surprised. It's cover. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's translated as desire, as a, as a friend's desire toward another, a, a husband's des, a spousal desire. I don't remember which direction it was. It's real interesting. It's real interesting that it's love. It's translated as desire and love. That helps hold up the veil and the curtain. I just thought, hey, again, you get that for free. No extra charge. The last thing. If we, if this is the, so the tabernacle would be this way, right? This is now the door. There's five pillars at the front. The arc was 1.5 cubits wide. Okay? I don't know exactly how big these pillars are. Pillar generally denotes that it's the same dimension. It's basically a square. If you were looking down, it doesn't quite look like a square here, but if you were looking straight down on it, it would be a square that this distance here would have been super tight to get the arc through. Because if you have 1.5, 1.5, that's three. 1.5, 1.5, that's six. You got a total of nine cubits. That leaves only three cubits to cover five pillars. And that doesn't even account for the staves that are on the side, the, the staff that they would slide into the rings and carry it with. Or any of the the covering, right? Because it was supposed to be covered. While like that's really tight. I don't know what the spiritual implication here is. I actually prayed about it. I would be speculating, but you gotta mind. You gotta mind your p's and q's. Is the only thing I could come up with. Like those priests couldn't be messing around with that ark when they were bringing it in after they set up the structures. They were bringing it in. Like talk about. Talk about some detailed work going on there. This was not l- laxadaisical. this was not this was not just uh you know just throwing it up. like this is very detailed work and i don't I don't know I don't know how they I honestly don't know how they did it because it would have required the men to have gotten between the pillars on the outside of the like they would have had to have gone like hold on let me in and like <laughs> like pivot if anybody knows what I'm talking about? Pivot. Somebody knew pivot. somebody pivot. Friends moving moving furniture up the stairs. Okay, maybe also just not a funny joke. But it would have required a lot of detailed planning and a lot of detailed work. So Colossians 2.2, that their height their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love. Under all the riches of the full assurance of the understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. This is how we minister together. Our hearts being knit together in love will create a comfort and that allows us to minister under his, under his direction, under, his, under all the riches of the full assurance of the understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. I can't figure it all out. If you thought you were going to come into class today and say, "Finally, somebody's going to explain the, all of the tabernacle to me," you're going to have to wait and ask Jesus, or find somebody smarter than me. I don't understand it all. There is a mystery here, but what I can see is very beautiful. What I can see is very beautiful. Let's pray, Lord. We thank you. We we do.